So these are probably two of the most fundamental factors if you wanna be successful, and it's something that most people don't really focus on or put a lot of effort into. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Today, let's talk about two of the most critical factors if you want to be successful or if you want to achieve a great business. And I would even say if you want to achieve a great life, these are probably the two most critical things. And there's something that most people put very little effort and very little energy into, which is maybe the reason why they're not as successful or they're not as fulfilled as what they want to be. Anyway, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo. I'm the founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute where we focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. The reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. So let's talk about these two really important critical factors. Now, I think number one, this one here is something that people put very little energy into and there's lots of reasons why I think that is. Number two is something that most people don't put a lot of energy into, which is also why they probably fail to get ahead. So these are two really important and critical factors that most people just don't put energy into, and I don't even think that most people think that they're important until they don't have it, and then it becomes extremely important. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the person that you're intimate with, as in your intimate partner, the person that you're potentially gonna marry if you're not already married, potentially the person that you're gonna have kids with, potentially the person that you're gonna share a bank account with. Now, most people don't really put a lot of effort and energy into it, and it really it's really surprising especially when if you look at your intimate partner. Now, I'll go through my journey and I'll give you some feedback about what I've learned along my journey. But it's something that I come across where most people want an intimate partner. They want someone to be there to support them, someone to nurture or someone to nurture them, someone to look after them, someone to support their lifestyle choices. For most people, that is no matter how dumb or stupid those lifestyle choices are, they still expect that support. If they have kids, they want someone to be there to look after the kids and the family and they want someone who understands them and so on and so forth. But what I've noticed is that there's a few major factors that cause relationships to not work well. And it's something that's so surprising because just like most things in life, most people won't put the effort and the energy into having something that they really want because they just won't put the effort and the energy into it. Now, when we look at intimate relationships, if we go back and we think about how we learned what an intimate relationship is, normally it's from those that we grew up around. So if you look at your parents and your parents got divorced and they yelled at each other and screamed at each other, one of two things will normally happen. We'll repeat the same pattern or we look at that pattern and we go, I'm gonna do the exact opposite because opposite is always better. Now, that's not true. If you're watching me on YouTube, you'll see that I smile then because that's not true. What tends to happen is that most people, when they don't like something, they tend to do the opposite, but it normally just gives a 180 degree counter response. So for instance, if you're treated like shit when you're younger, then what you'll do is you could grow up and say, I will never treat anybody like shit. So therefore you overcompensate. You don't balance it out, you overcompensate. And so that overcompensation means that you're over nice to everybody. Then what will happen is that people will start treating you like shit. And depending on how self-aware you are, depends on how long people need to treat you like shit for and how bad people will treat you like shit for. Until one day you wake up and you go, you know what? Fuck these people around me who are treating me like shit. I'm gonna start putting in some boundaries. And so therefore you can become a bit more aggressive you might stand up for yourself or eventually you'll get to a point where you overcompensate the other way and you become aggressive and completely dominant and you won't be in a relationship with anyone that will tell you what to do, how to do it, 
anything like that because you become hypersensitive to the opposing side. So you'll swing from hyper-reactive and hypersensitive to anyone who is aggressive towards you to then being the aggressor. And most people in their own lives overcompensate and they think that doing the opposite is better instead of that doing the balance point between the two polarities is better. Normally what happens is a person grows up, they look at the people that they're around and they start to just replicate. People replicate the communication styles of the people that they grew up around. So it starts off with parents or carers, then it normally happens with siblings, then it normally happens with family, you know, a whole family structure. Then from there you go to school and so you start to replicate communication through friendship groups, through teachers, through potential preachers or people you look up to. Then we start to replicate people that we admire and we look up to. And so most people really never learn how to communicate. Most people have never really learned how to have an intimate relationship. I've worked with you know tens of thousands of people over the years and relationships, money and finance, health, these are common things that come up. Communication, wealth creation, these are common things that come up with people and they say, you know, this is shit, it's not working for me. You know, I'm trying to get ahead financially, but I keep making money and then I lose it all. Then they'll say things like, you know, my mindset shit, I'm depressed all the time, I'm extremely unhappy. They might say things like, you know, I've been married three times and I just don't trust women or I don't trust men. You know, they're all useless, blah, blah, blah. And they'll make these statements. But then I ask them, how much money have you spent on developing your skill set in that area? And most of them look at me with a stunned, dumb look on their face and they go, well, I haven't. And I go, okay, well, there you go. So you haven't, number one, spent any money or invested any money into that area. Number two, how much time have you spent researching, learning to try to figure out how to master that area? And most of them, again, look at me with a dumb look on their face and they go, well, I haven't. Now, if you're not prepared to put time into an area of your life that you perceive as important that's not working, and you're not prepared to invest money in that area, and you're not prepared to put effort and energy into that area to make it work, if you're not prepared to learn good principles and good foundations to build that area of your life, then don't be surprised if that area of your life looks like complete carnage and absolute chaos and you can't get on top of it. And this is why most people settle for average relationships, average finance, average mental health, average lifestyle, because that's average, right? That's what they look at. They look around and they compare themselves to others and then they justify it and they go, well, you know what? Just this is the way relationships are. This is the way friendships are. This is the way that people live these days. You know, it's the economy, it's the government. And so they'll start blaming shit outside of themselves. When the truth is that they've never invested in that area. We have this stupid habit in our society of saying that if a child goes to school for 13 years and then they do well at school, which normally means that they're good at rote learning, okay? They learn things, they remember stuff, and then they jot it down on paper. If they're good at learning, then they go to university and then they're gonna get this university degree, which is essentially in Australia a hex debt. They get a hex debt and they go into debt in order to then go out and get a career where they can make money. And they've now spent 13 plus another three to five years, sometimes if you're a medical doctor or whatever, it might be seven to 10 years. You've spent all this time to develop a skill set of learning shit so that you can repeat it. And that means that you're a good student in most cases. And I don't want to take away from those out there who are listening to this who are extremely good at it. And I'll come back to my point. But they have spent all this time, effort, energy, money, and so on developing this skill set over anywhere between 13 to maybe 20 years, depending on you know if they're a surgeon or a doctor or whatever. They've spent all this time going through that. Then they come out and they go, well, now I will be successful. Now I get it. Now some people, they leave school and they go and get a trade. So they spend four years doing their apprenticeship in their trade school and they come out and they go, now I'm going to be successful. But when you ask them, how much time and effort have you spent on learning about money and finance? And again, dumb look on their face. How much time and energy have you spent 
and invested, how much money have you invested into your intimate relationship? As in learning about it, not, I mean, just giving money to your partner. How much money have you spent trying to be a good parent? How much time and effort and energy have you invested into that and learning from the best people in the world to become a great parent? And the majority of people will not do it. They've never even thought about this. And it's not their fault. It's just that we're not conditioned to think that way. But the truth is that it, whatever area of life isn't working, if you're not prepared to invest in that area, both time, money, energy, and effort, it's very likely that it's not going to work well. And the only way out of that, or the only way that most people have as a strategy is to then go bitch, moan, complain. So they'll blame, complain, justify. And most people in this day and age grab their victim card. So they're a victim. They go, well, it's not me that's the problem in the intimate relationship. It's because I keep attracting these types of people, whether they say it's narcissists and we've got to deal with narcissists because it's the narcissists that have fucked me up and have fucked me up mentally because of you know my past intimate relationship. Not looking back at that and saying, well, I keep attracting or getting into relationships with these types of people and that maybe something has to change, whether it's mentally, whether it's emotionally, whether it's understanding what those types of people look like so that you can avoid them. But then at the same time, not overcompensating and doing the opposite where you go from a narcissistic relationship to an altruistic relationship, which is where the person does everything for you and is essentially pathetic. Because what will happen is that most people who get into those relationships absolutely walk all over their partner until eventually they learn to stand up for themselves and then that relationship doesn't end up well either. Most people in our society don't put the time and effort into developing an area that they want to grow in in order to have a great life, not an average life, a great life. Now, this comes back to intimate relationships. So one of the most important factors, if you want to be successful in life, especially in the area of finances, family, communication, physical health, mental well-being, all of the areas of life are massively impacted by your intimate partner. So it is so critical to make sure that you are not with the wrong person. Yet it's something that I think society has done such a shitty job of. I think relationships have always had problems. So if I look back and I look back in, you know, my grandparents' era, I guess in a way it worked really, really well. And it was, you know, in my grandparents' era, it did work well because both parties knew their place and their role in a relationship. Now, I'm not saying that because I know that someone's going to fucking blow this out of proportion because it's what happens. Anyone in this day and age who speaks any form of intelligence is normally blown out of proportion. So I know that this is probably going to get blown out of proportion by a couple of clowns. But my grandmother knew that her role in that relationship was family. Family, look after everybody, make sure that the relationships work in that family dynamic, which is more of a feminine energy if you look at ancient philosophy. Then my grandfather, both my grandfathers actually, they would work, and my grandmother worked as well. She worked part-time and things like that. But her number one priority for the intimate relationship and the family dynamic and the way that she provided in that relationship was to support the family dynamic, make sure all the relationships were working, make sure that everyone was healthy. So my mum was one of four and my dad was one of three. Both grandmothers kept everything together. They kept the family together, but they also nurtured and nourished. So if there was any problems in the family dynamic, both grandmothers would go and nurture or communicate, make sure that the communication was working, whatever. So the families worked and they worked really, really well. Both my grandfathers worked. So they would go to work, they would come home, they were nurtured, they were nourished in a way because obviously that worked extremely hard that day, as had my grandmother as well, just in a different way. And so then everyone felt like they were getting something in those relationship dynamics. Now, times have changed, and yes, they have. What I see is the challenge in most relationships is that roles aren't defined and expectations aren't defined upfront in a relationship. And I'm talking about before people get married, before people have kids, normally this shit comes up like 15 years into the relationship where someone goes, you know what, I'm fucking sick of this shit. And then they stand up for themselves, but that was never communicated. So the person that the other person got into a relationship with that they think they're in a relationship with isn't that person anymore. That just changed. 
And so that can cause huge problems and those problems can cause a lot of stress and a lot of frustration. So it is extremely important to communicate upfront about what your expectations are of a relationship. Now, when you're communicating expectations, it is important to define what the future outcomes are first. So what I mean by that, I mean, this is a podcast for a lot of extremely driven people. So I'm assuming that career is a high importance for a lot of people or business, something like that or money and finances, because they're the people, I guess, who tend to be attracted to the events that I run and things like that, I guess, because they're important to me and my values as well. If you don't know where you're going, then it's hard to define that. So then what happens is most people in society say, well, I want an intimate partner who works extremely hard. But I also want an intimate partner who spends a lot of time exercising and looking after their physical health because physical health and physical appearance is important to me. I don't want to be with a partner who looks 80 when they're 30. I don't want to be with an intimate partner who doesn't look after themselves and is fat and overweight and doesn't look after themselves because that's unattractive to me. But I also want someone who provides for me financially. So I need someone who has a good job. And my financial expectation is that I shouldn't have money problems and I shouldn't have money worries. And I should be able to go overseas. You know, I should be able to do that. But I also need someone who's a supporter because I want to have a family. So therefore, that person also needs to be around to support the family. They need to take the kids to sport on the weekend. They need to be there when I need them. Plus, I need my intimate time, which then means that we need date night and blah, blah, blah. So then now they're creating all these expectations. They have a financial expectation. They have a time expectation. They have all these expectations and they've got to get along. So they've got to be a good communicator. So they need to be able to communicate with my family and I need to be able to communicate with their family. So they've created all these rules and these expectations that don't make sense. So there's only 24 hours in a day. Now, if you expect someone is going to have a small business, that small business is going to take up an extreme amount of time. Very rarely do I know someone who is financially successful who doesn't put the majority of their time, effort, and energy into that business. So when I see couples that one person's got a small business and they're trying to grow it and their partner wants financial independence, yet at the same time, they want them to be home all the time, that there is setting them up for absolute mental and emotional carnage. And that relationship is gonna have a lot of fucking strain because you can't expect that someone's gonna work anywhere between, let's just say the average business owner when they're trying to expand the business and grow the business, a bare minimum would be 50 hours a week, okay? So we're talking 50 hours a week minimum of focus time, not consistent distractions. So 50 hours a week, let's say that could be up to 100. So anywhere between 50 and 100 hours a week they need to put in for at least five to 10 years in order to get ahead financially. Now, if they're 30, we're talking between 30 and 50 or even 30 and 40, they are going to be 100 hours a week in that business. Now, that same person, if they say, I want kids also, but I expect them to be there and support, but I also need the finances, their partner is getting set up to fail because that partner is going to feel absolutely torn and ruined because they go to work in order to build a business because they think that doing the right thing by their family and by their intimate partner is to build the business, to look after them, to give them financial security in their future, to be able to put the kids through school or whatever, make sure that they can go on holidays, that you know there's a house and a roof over their head and there's not the financial stress that maybe they had when they were a kid. So they're trying to do that and they think that that is the benchmark for success. Yet they get home after working you know, a 15 hour day and their partner says, you piece of shit, you don't give a fuck about me, you're not here looking after the kids. I've had to put up with them all day. I've done four loads of washing. I've also put on the dishwasher. I've done this. And so all of a sudden they're sitting there going, what the fuck? I feel completely unappreciative for the financial commitments and the sacrifice and everything that I'm making in business. And then all of a sudden they're now getting bollocked because now their partner doesn't feel like their partner's being appreciated because she or he's at home all day looking after the kids. Then they have an argument. One partner says, well, what do you want me to do? Like I've got to work. I've got to provide for the family. 
One person's spending more cash because they're spending money on the family. The other one's trying to make the family secure. That's going to cause huge amounts of friction. Then the other person feels unsupported because they're at home looking after the kids or they might be even working part-time and then looking after the kids. And so this is just setting that relationship up, ship up for a relationship because that's pretty much what it is, relationship, right? That's setting the relationship up for absolute destruction because both parties are going to feel completely torn. Then what will happen is normally the partner that works will say, well, why don't you go get a job? And so the other partner will feel completely unappreciative for looking after the family. And then the other person says, well, why don't you stay at home and look after the kids? And why don't you take them to sport on the weekend? And why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? So both parties are being completely selfish and creating unrealistic expectations, putting it on their partner. And they both have not sat down. This is a relationship problem. This isn't one person who is essentially being an asshole to the other. That's not the case. It's that they have poor communication and they haven't set guidelines as to what that relationship looks like. And I've spoken about this at my events and I watch the horrific look on a lot of people's faces when I talk about my relationship. Now, I'm not a master of relationships in any area because I've done a lot of dumb shit, which, you know, fortunately I have such an amazing partner in Jess who is very patient and also very understanding and also very, very intelligent. And for her, when I've done a lot of dumb shit, she'll normally sit me down afterwards and go, okay, I understand, or you have to understand that this here isn't what I expect. And this here isn't how I want my relationship to be. So how can we work through this? And we work through things because it's not worth it. Like for me to leave the relationship or for her to leave the relationship, we built 14 years of habits, 14 years of understanding each other. If you leave that, you start back at zero again. And most people don't realize this. If you have a 20 year relationship and you leave and go back to zero and you've built all this momentum in the relationship and understanding. Now, sometimes that's the case. If you've got a relationship that you've been in for 20 years, but the communication's been shit. You don't understand each other. You don't talk effectively. You don't communicate and you project each other's values. You're really still in grade one of relationship school. But when you build up a long time and a lot of effort, yes, you can probably go to a relationship that seems more fun and more exciting, but you've got 13 or 14 years of effort and energy in that relationship of understanding each other. Where these days, I can pretty much understand how Jess thinks. But Jess also understands how I think and she understands all the things that I do that frustrate her and she understands that that's her problem and her challenge and she needs to communicate effectively to help me to grow. And also I need to do the same things as well instead of just bitching and moaning and complaining all the time. So anyway, my point is, I don't want anyone to think that Jess and I walk on water in our relationship. There are a lot of arguments, there are fights, there are you know miscommunications, but most of the time, from where we're at today, every year our relationship gets better because the communication gets better and we learn how to communicate more effectively. And I think the self-awareness is the key that when there's an argument or a miscommunication that an individual sits there and goes, okay, how did I contribute to that? Not, well, fuck them. They did this. I can't, you know, because that's how couples just destroy their relationship. Every time there's a challenge in the communication, doesn't matter who you're communicating with, there's two parties. And 50% of that communication you're responsible for. Let's say you said something and they took it offensively. Well, maybe you could have asked a better question. Maybe you could have framed the relationship differently or maybe you could have framed the communication differently. So there's lots of different tools in communication that you can learn. For instance, I'll give you an example. A frame, if you're selling an expensive product and you say to somebody upfront like, look, I don't know if this product's for you because it's extremely expensive, but it's expensive because it's exclusive. It's expensive because we bring the best people in the world. It's the best education, the best knowledge. I'm not sure if it's the right thing for you, but it is expensive. A lot of people can't afford it and blah, blah, blah. And then someone sits there and they're thinking, shit, 
in their head, they then overinflate the price. Now that's cool to frame. Then you say, yeah, so look, it's $30,000. And now if they're a business owner that's running, you know, let's say a three or $4 million business, $30,000 to them isn't a lot of money. I mean, it is, but it's not really in the scheme of things because they will have bills that are way bigger than that. And then because you've already set the perception that it's extremely high, in their head, they're thinking, shit, it's like $100,000, $200,000. And then you've said 30 grand, they go like, oh, it's not that bad. The same thing happens with movies, right? So I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but if you say to someone, the movie's amazing, it's like the best movie I've ever seen, the action shots were fantastic, you increase and inflate your expectations. And then when you go there, your perception may not match that expectation. And so because of that, then you think the movie's shit or you go, oh, it wasn't that good. Whereas if you say, look, the movie was pretty average and then that person goes and watches the movie, they come back and they say, I thought it was amazing because their expectation is lower. That's called a frame. So you're essentially setting a framework for that person to think through things. Let's say you've got tough communication. You might set that up and communicate, look, we need to have a chat. And I know that there's some things that we need to talk about that are probably going to challenge us both. Is it possible that we can communicate in this way through this without yelling, without raising our voice? Because I would like to be able to express myself first without being interrupted and without being yelled at because I need to get this stuff off my chest. I need to talk through it with you first. Is it possible that if I communicate this with you that you won't raise your voice? Because if you do, I just won't do it because it's not worth it. And you know, I don't want you to get upset. I don't want you to get emotional, blah, blah, blah. So you go through this and you frame that person first, then you can have that conversation. But because you don't have that tool in your toolkit because you've never learned how to do it properly, then what will happen is most people just go, hey, look, I'm sick of you doing this. I can't believe it. And so you're trying to get out your frustration and then they blast you back and you blast them and one person storms off. That's an ineffective relationship. Now you can blame them and say, they're a shit communicator. They started yelling at me first, but maybe your communication was shit too. So unless you're self-aware enough to take responsibility for 50% of that communication, it's very rarely that you're going to grow from that. It's important to set expectations up front. So when Jess and I started dating and getting serious, like at first there was no pressure. So I had had girls in the past. I used to work on a party bus and I was a personal trainer and, you know, I used to go to music festivals all the time and look after myself. And so, you know, I had a six pack and I was living in a bachelor pad where I lived with a heap of guys who all work, you know, in the, I guess on the party bus as well that I used to work on. So we used to do hens nights and eating. So I was running a mark. And that was my lifestyle. I used to really just eat, train and party. That was just part of my life. And Jess came along and she just was cruisy. She didn't ever tell me that I couldn't do it. Whereas I had other girls who were saying, you know, if you want to date me, this is the way you have to behave. And I was like, that's not how I'm going to get in a relationship. That's setting those boundaries up front in a way where you're not bringing really much to the party. That's not going to work. So we just cruised and we were just friends for a fair while. And then over time, I started noticing that I really enjoyed hanging out with her and she never created crazy expectations up front. She just let me be me. And for most masculine people, or I mean, it's a majority males, but there are masculine females out there as well who masculine energy tends to be more of their natural form. Both males and females have both masculine and feminine energy. It's just one of them is more dominant to them and one of them is more their natural state of being throughout the average day. So I didn't want to feel trapped in a relationship and I didn't want to go into a relationship with all these expectations around what I had to be and what I had to do in order to have that relationship. So anyway, as it built over time, we started hanging out. Then we you know, started living together. And over time, I noticed that business was really important for me and I really knuckled down on it, but business I was struggling with. And so we started communicating and saying, look, how do we make this work? And I normally like to ask questions instead of giving statements. So instead of running up to someone and going, you know, you didn't do this, 
blah, 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 and then blasting them with whatever you're frustrated about. If you ask an effective question and say things like, hey, I'm just wondering like, you haven't done this for the last couple of weeks, is everything okay? Then what will happen is it opens up conversation and then you can communicate effectively about it. Now that's not always the case when you're frustrated and you're stupid and you're crazy and you're erratic. Then sometimes you just wanna get that shit off your chest so you just blast someone. But it'll normally end up in a one hour argument and both parties feel misunderstood. So self-control and self-awareness again is so important. But eventually it got to a point where I said, hey look, it's not worth it for me to cook anymore. Like I don't care if we eat Uber Eats every night. I don't care if we go out every night, but I don't want to dedicate brain capacity and brain power to food. That's just not what I want to do anymore. And so how do we negotiate this? How do we navigate this? And Jess said to me, okay, well, I'm happy to cook because she's got a high value on creativity and part of cooking is her self-expression. So I said to her, okay, well, here's my expectation. I expect that every night I'm going to eat. And I don't want to think about it. So please don't ask me, what do you want for dinner? Because I don't know. If I knew, I would cook it myself. But I don't know. What I want to do is I want to work. There's something called decision fatigue. And the more decisions you make throughout the day, essentially the more fatigued your decision making becomes and the worse your decision making becomes. So if I'm running a company and I'm trying to grow it and there's lots of rapid decisions that need to be made and I've got to jump into things and try and fix things and I'm problem solving all day, the last thing that I want to do is solve the problem of what I want to eat at nighttime and then go out and cook it all and it's just fucking frustrating. So for me, I said to her, look, it doesn't bother me. Just here's what I like to eat. So I like to have a high protein food, potentially high protein, high fat, lower carbohydrates. Most of the time, apart from dinner time where I have more carbohydrates and less fats because it helps me to sleep better. This is what my expectation is. Now, you don't have to do it. I'm more than happy to hire a chef. Now, if I've got to pay a couple hundred bucks a week where I can make better decisions and make another thousand, to me, that's a no brainer. So I said, I don't need you to do it. It's just that if you're saying you're gonna take on that role, then my expectation is that that's what happens. And she said, that's completely fine. So she took on that role of doing that. Now, there have been times where dinner won't be organized or whatever. Now, sometimes she'll say, look, I've got heaps of stuff on and sometimes I know she's extremely busy in our business as well. If she's taking on the majority of the work and she's been flat out today, I will just go on either order dinner or say we'll go out for dinner or whatever, or I will cook. But in most cases where I'm extremely busy, my expectation is, is there's food at dinner time. So we had that conversation. Now, a lot of couples sit there and I've seen people in my event sit there and go, what a fucking prick. How could he not? But that's because they're projecting their shit. And my question to those people are, is your relationship working? And are you getting what you want from your relationship? And if the answer is yes, then that's fine. But at the same time, I'm getting what I need out of my relationship because running a business is important to me and it's one of my high values. Now, like I said, I'm not telling her that she has to cook every night. I'm just saying, if you say you're going to cook every night, then my expectation is that that's going to be the case. So we set boundaries and ground rules and expectations up front. Financially, there were some financial things that both Jess and I sat down and we spoke about. And the expectation was that, you know, this was a lifestyle that we we're going to live. And based on this lifestyle that we needed to make X amount of money. And that was important to both of us. So that becomes our non-negotiable financially. And then also expectations around health and fitness and body. And so we sat down and we both said, look, I don't want to be with someone who is, you know, overweight for no real reason. Like if this is a problem that you have, because you can't look after yourself, then that's unattractive to me. And I think that that's completely fair and reasonable. And we both spoke about that. And so, you know, I know that it's important for her, for me to look after myself, and it's important for me to have her look after herself. And so we both created that expectation up front. These are the things that most people bury their head in the sand with, because they will say, you know, we don't need to have these conversations. These conversations, you know, shouldn't be had because you should love the person. Yeah, everyone says that when they get married, but every marriage in most cases, they say, you know, until death do us part. 
But if you look at the divorce rate, if a third of marriages all end in divorce and the majority of people in their relationships are unfulfilled, then you have to ask yourself the question, is what they're doing working? And the answer I think is no. And it's no because most people don't wanna have uncomfortable conversations. And we're convinced of ideologies and bullshit like until death do us part. Well, that's cool. But if you're saying that, you better commit to it. Now, even myself and Jess, in our wedding, we did not say until death do us part. We both discussed this and it was, we are on the journey together and we love each other and we're both here to live and create an amazing life. That's it. Now, if I can't help Jess to create the amazing life that she wants and I love her, then she's better off going and finding someone else who can provide that for her. Now, most people aren't, I guess you could say, both self-aware enough, but also secure enough to realize that if you love someone, the best thing that you can do for them is to love them enough to let them go. And that's like kids. I'm assuming that anyone out there with kids, you have to love them enough to realize that they need to walk on their own two feet and you've got to let them go at some point. Now, there are very insecure parents out there that try to keep their kids kids and juvenile. And I watched it with my grandmother and my dad and his siblings, where my grandmother tried to keep the kids juvenile for as long as she could because she was insecure and wanted to be a mum. And so for her, when the kids started leaving home, she created controversy and drama and all that shit because it kept the kids around all the time. That's not very healthy. That's a codependence. Now, if you're codependent on your intimate partner all the time and your expectation is, is that they should always be there, then you better know what that looks like because if the person that they're dating looks after themselves and then 20 years down the track, that person doesn't look after themselves anymore, then that's not the same person that they married and that's not the same expectation. Just like if they married someone who is financially independent and that person goes and starts a business and then for 30 years, that person is out partying and running amok and doing dumb shit, not really running their business then the person that that person married isn't the same person. They were expecting to get into a relationship with some sort of financial stability. We really have to set these expectations up front and learn how to communicate them effectively, and most people don't do that well. Now, if you're a business owner or you're someone who is extremely driven in your career and you want to achieve greater success, whether it be you know even with family, you need to learn how to communicate effectively, ask good questions, and set parameters up front. Because I would say that one of the main conversations that I hear from both males and females, is I hear this one here. My partner wants me to be all of this thing, but at the same time expects me to do all this other shit as well. And at the same time, I can't do both and I'm burnt out and I'm stressed and these expectations are unrealistic. For example, my partner wants me to run a business so that we can be independent. They want four weeks holiday a year. They want to go overseas. They want to take the kids away. They want me to put them through a good education. So I've got to spend $100,000 a year putting my three kids through you know, private school. But then at the same time, they expect new cars. They want to go out and they want to buy clothes. They want to live in a fancy house. So therefore, I've got to make a shitload of money. In order to make a shitload of money, I need to work 100 hours a week. But then I get home from work and I get absolutely bollocked from my partner because I'm not there. I don't look after the kids. I don't give a shit about her. These are things that you know the partner says. You, know, you don't give a shit about me. You don't give a shit about the kids. You know, why did we have kids if you weren't going to be around? You know, my expectation is you take them to football, you take them to soccer on the weekend. That there is extremely fucked. And then also as well, like, I don't want to date someone or I don't want to be in a relationship with someone that's fat and overweight and doesn't look after themselves. And you've got to look at that relationship and go, that's toxic. Because those expectations are toxic. They're unrealistic. And then on the other hand, you've got someone who comes home who's looking after three kids all day. And that person walks in the front door and says, I can't fucking believe this. You know, how come this isn't done? How come you haven't done this? You don't contribute anything financially to the relationship. So therefore, like, what are you doing all day? That's an extremely toxic relationship. And so it's so important to make sure that if you want to have a 
very successful life or you want to achieve great things, and I've already spoken about what success is and why it's so important and how to define it for yourself, it is so important to be able to not only pick the right partner, but to learn how to communicate with them effectively because they are two of the most critical things that you'll probably do in life. And they're the things that most people put the least amount of effort into, the least amount of energy. And I would say that almost every person in an intimate relationship, if they haven't done a course on communication, conflict resolution, trying to figure out how to understand the other person's values, what they look like, why they are that way, and why their decision-making strategy is the way that their decision-making strategy is, then you're setting yourself up to have a suboptimal intimate relationship, full stop. Now, it might be good, maybe, compared to other people, but it's not great. Because if you can't communicate effectively and you're suppressing part of who you are, you can't do what you want to do, and you can't communicate that effectively without the fear of it turning into a full-blown argument or you don't want to put pressure on your partner or whatever, then that's also a huge problem. Now, in this day and age, it is so... I think expectations are completely fucked up, and I'll do a whole nother episode on that. But our expectations in this day and age are so distorted and so destroyed because I think of social media and the way that the media presents people's lives and also Hollywood and movies that the majority of people want everything. And they want everything with minimal effort. I see this all the time. I want a successful business so that I can have complete independence and I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. I've never, ever met a business person who has that ever. Now I've met people who have sold out of their companies for hundreds of millions of dollars and they're still working flat out because they don't work for money. If you're someone who works just for money, when you get money, you'll blow that money trying to seek ease and comfort. I've done it before and it doesn't work. If you want to keep getting ahead and financial independence is important for you, you will keep working in order to create financial independence. But when you've got it, you realize that it's not financial independence that you want, that your self-worth, your self-love, your self-respect comes from learning to be better. It's from the growth that happens within that business. And so the thing that most people think that they want isn't the thing that they actually get and it's not the thing that they need. And so therefore when they get it, they realize that there's more to what they want in life. That's not that thing. And so it's the work that most people enjoy. Like I enjoy working in the business because it forces me to learn. It forces me to grow. It forces me to be better. And so it's not the business and the financial independence that I love. It's the ability to grow something. It's the ability to grow myself. As the business grows, I have to grow. So that's the thing that I love. It's the journey, not the destination. So, you know, most people want to have an amazing relationship. They want to have a great body. They want to have, you know, a partner who supports them all the time. Even like when I hear someone say, I want someone who just supports me, Michael. I want someone who supports me all the time. Don't get an intimate relationship. Get a fucking dog. Because a dog you can yell at and two minutes later, it will come back to you. An intimate relationship there is to enhance your growth. Everything in life that doesn't grow dies. And an intimate relationship is one of the best growth mechanisms. Because if I go out and I do something stupid, I'm going to come home and Jess is going to sit me down and say, what did you do? What the fuck did you do? Why did you do that? This is how it's impacted us. You know, this is how it's going to impact your future. You didn't think through this, did you? And what are we going to do to change this? How is things going to work? So she's holding me accountable to my own life. And that's what I love about her. And I hold her accountable. There are plenty of times where she will come to me and complain about things and I will hold her accountable to her own complaints and let her know and remind her that she is responsible for the things that happen around her. And how can I help? What does she need? What resources? How can I help? But at the same time, like I don't want to be with someone who is just going to bitch and moan and complain about things because that's the easiest path to self-destruction. And it's also the easiest way to a lack of accountability, a lack of responsibility, which is why most people do it. In life, 
most people would rather have a victim card than have a victor card because a victor card is fucking hard to own. And it's fucking hard because you've got to wake up every day, look in the mirror and go, these problems in my life are me. And I've got to take some responsibility. Now, there might be other circumstances that happen in life, but you've got to look back and realize where you made decisions that put you in that place. So if the economy crashes, there'll be a lot of business owners who fall apart. Now, if that's going to happen, what did they do prior to the collapse or prior to the financial instability that then caused them to get into that position? When I hear someone say, yeah, but it's the economy or it's the industry has just turned to shit. There are other people in the industry who are cranking. There are other people in an economy that are cranking when everything turns to shit. So the question is, why did it happen to you? So when you can take that level of responsibility, things start to work and an intimate relationship will hold you accountable to that. But it's hard to hold someone accountable to an expectation or to a goal or to a dream or to a lifestyle when you don't even know what that looks like because it's never been discussed in the relationship. So it is so important to discuss those things. Driven mofos, I hope this conversation is helping because it's just something that I think is probably the most critical factor in a person's perception of success in their life. I mean, their work ethic is also part of that as well. So, you know, having a great intimate relationship and a shitty work ethic won't help anyone to achieve anything, but it's an external factor. I think it's probably one of the most important and critical external factors that most people don't work on. And because of that, most people do not have a good relationship. They have an average relationship and average is pretty shit. I mean, everything in life that is average is shit, okay? Average is obesity, average is broke, and that's just average. That's, if you look statistically, that's not a good place to be. Something to think about, Driven Mofos. I hope this helps. If you're enjoying these episodes, please remember to share it, screenshot it, tag people in it, send it to them, let them know. I want to get these numbers up. I'm not asking for anything else in return. I'm not asking for you to buy my shit. I'm doing this for free. What I do want though is I want these numbers to go up. So if you're loving these episodes and if you're really finding value in what I'm sharing and if it's something that you're listening to every day or every week and it's helping you to be a better you or it's helping you to think differently about the way you're living or the way you're running your business or the way you're running your life, please, if you could just share this with your friends, with your family, let them know about it, send it to them, send the link to them on whatever you know podcasting platform you're listening to. And just get them to check it out. The more people I can get listening to this, the more people that I can help. And the more people that I can help to live an epic life. Also, I want to say Driven Mofos as well. I know that this topic is quite, I won't say controversial, but it's quite challenging. Anything in life that is worth doing is worth being challenged on. And like most of us know that if you're going to go to the gym and you're going to exercise and you're going to look after your health, it's going to be challenging. But your intimate relationship is also going to be challenging. Because optimum growth in nature happens where there is enough support there to grow but there's also enough challenge and stress in order to get it to grow. So we've got to remember that two of the most critical factors for growth is stress and pressure. Pressure causes expansion and stress creates growth. In life, we don't grow without stress. In fact, without the stress of gravity on our body, we wouldn't have muscles. We wouldn't have a physical body that could move. Without having electromagnetic radiation from the sun, our cells and the moon and the lunar cycles and so on, we wouldn't have hormonal cycles. It's called a circadian rhythm. We have these things that work for us, but it's a very fine-tuned amount of stress and pressure that we can take on. Too much stress starts to cause distress, not enough stress, and we become lazy, we become complacent, and things don't grow. So our intimate relationship, we need to have stress and pressure consistently in that area in order to grow. And if we're not having the tough conversations, if we're not communicating effectively, if we're not talking about things that come up as concerns, we're not supporting our partner in a way and a communication style that helps them, but in a way also challenge their way of thinking, you're gonna limit growth. And when I hear people say stupid shit like, that person should support me all the time, or that person 
you know, should help me with everything. That's not true. That person is there to help you to optimize your growth. And an intimate relationship is there to help you to optimize your growth. Therefore, if you're doing things that are counterintuitive to your growth, they should be putting pressure on you. So when I go and do dumb shit financially, Jess is the first person who comes to me and says things like, why are you doing this? Here's the goal that you have. Here's the dream that you have. Do you honestly think that making that decision that you made is in the best interest of your future goal, your future dream, and your mission? And when I think about it, I go, fuck, she's right. Okay, And then it makes me reflect. And that's how an intimate relationship probably needs to work. Now, yes, you are going to do a lot of dumb things. There is going to be a lot of times there where there are arguments and an argument. It's just a way of communicating. So when someone yells at another person, that's still communication. Okay, It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a form of communication. And if someone feels like they can't get their point heard or they don't have the ability to voice or verbalize what they're trying to say in an effective manner, they'll yell. That happens sometimes in a relationship. Sometimes people walk away. Sometimes people want to just fucking flip out. All of those things are just ways of growing if you stop and you reflect and you become more self-aware. From that though, the question is, is this the most effective way of dealing with that situation? If the answer is no, then you've got to go find a better way. And that's the importance of an intimate relationship is to help you to grow and also to keep you accountable. But it's impossible to have an accountability if there's no communication that sets those accountabilities. If you're not consistently talking about your mission in life, your purpose in life, your values, and you don't understand your values and your partner's values and how they work, and with every value alignment in an intimate relationship, there's also a disalignment. So I have a high value on business and financial growth. Jess has a high value on financial stability. Now that can cause a huge conflict because I want to put money back into the business to keep it growing. Whereas at the same time, when Jess looks in the bank account and there's not a lot of money in there, she then starts to stress. So we've had to communicate around what that looks like so we can both get our values met. When most people say things like, my partner should support my values and our values should be the same, that's not an intimate relationship. When someone thinks that their values should be the same as somebody else's in an intimate relationship or that their partner should be the same, that's very narcissistic because what you're saying is my values are correct and other people's values aren't. And so you're assuming if that's the case, and most people do this, most people assume that my values are correct, they are the right ones, they are the best ones and my way of doing things are correct, Therefore, my partner should support those, understand those, and theirs should be the same because mine are so good. That's narcissism, okay? That's narcissistic. When two people get together, they normally have around 25% of the same values or similar values in some way, but in different orders. And then you've also got 75% that are different. So you can have someone with a high value on family, but their idea of family is to make sure that the family are always supported financially. Now, if that's the case, your partner might have a high value on career. The conflict will come because a partner wants to work a lot in order to provide for the family. The other person, though, can crack the shits and say you work all the time, but at the same time, they're providing the financial stability for the dream family that they have. When you understand those value structures, you have appreciation for your partner's hard work, not putting them down, yelling at them, arguing, and thinking my relationship shit. Now, because most people have been lied to their whole lives around values, around what they look like, and also what a good relationship looks like. Most people set up an idealism around a relationship. I've seen people come to our Thrive Time event and end up having their partner leave because they come home, understand their own values, and then their partner says, well, I don't agree with those values, they don't fit mine, and then their partner leaves without even acknowledging that they don't even understand their own values and they just crack the shits because they've been told that 
couples should have the same values and that's not true. They've been absolutely fucking lied to. My values aren't the same as Jess's and Jess isn't my number one priority. And I'm not Jess's number one priority. I think I'm her fifth value. And I think we have a pretty great relationship over the years by the communication styles that we've been able to work with. But knowing that I'm not her highest value, my job then is to support her in her other values so that I can get Jess when she's feeling great and amazing because her other values are being met. So she's got a high value in creativity. I have to watch because she can overwork. And when she overworks, she then starts to get really stressed out and burnt out and so on. So what I do is I make sure that she has creative time every week or if not every fortnight. So I'll say, look, I don't need you to work in the business this weekend. Can you just have some creative time? Because I know that it impacts the relationship in a negative way. So my job is to help her to fulfill her values, not to tell her how she should live because I can see what gets the best out of her. But this is what our Thrive Time event is about. It's about you understanding your values. Now, both partners don't need to come to Thrive Time. Most people come as an individual first and then their partner might come a year later or two years later, whatever. But it's so important to understand values and the impact that it has on an intimate relationship because if you don't understand yours and they're not clear, you don't understand your partners and then that's gonna cause huge conflicts in the intimate relationship. So these are just some things to be careful of. Anyway, Driven Mofos, I hope this helps. Keep living with Mojo. Please remember to share this episode or to share the podcast as a whole. I wanna get out to more people. The more people I can get this in the hands of, the more people I can help. So if you love this episode, please screenshot it and share it with the link with your friends, with your family, or just share it on social media. The more people I can get out to, the better. That's all I ask from this podcast. Keep living with Mojo, keep pushing hard, and keep kicking ass driven mofos, and I look forward to seeing you back here on the next episode.